This week on the one cast, we were supposed to have John Cruz on with us, uh, but we went to reset our router and either somebody hit a telephone pole and took out the internet or we fried our router. So we're doing this live and we're going to talk about invasive species. Okay, we. I don't. Uh, Trey, what was that? Is that? A, is that? I our, don't know. Something's happening right now. So not only did Trey ruin the router, apparently, <laughs> he also does not know how to press the right button on our little uh, music thing here. And then, did you hit record this time? I did. We're recording. Let's try, <laughs> let's that. try that again. Let, let's try that one more time, folks. That's a good one. That's a good. One. Oh my god, it's a toad. It's, huh? it's a. F- so as you can see, if you're a first time listener, we are professionals. We <laughs> it's it's bad. We preach about it and uh but you know what? Sometimes things happen and uh we're just gonna roll with it. I you know, we haven't ran into these issues. Uh I think it was like the first couple episodes, like, yeah, we're new to it, we're trying to I wouldn't even say knock the dust off or rust off like we're just like we didn't know what to do well, yeah we were learning we're i would consider us like seasoned at this deal well this uh, is what 40, 43 43 episode 43 yeah. yeah and that's how old i feel right now 43 i don't know how to use a router <laughs> i don't know how to use a soundboard like you know what I, I blame it all on michael johns he's down uh right now fishing uh or pre-fishing for the tournament in lake eufaula alabama and, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. I don't blame it on him, but hopefully he has a good tournament. But what is going on tonight, gentlemen? Not a whole lot. <laughs> Make sure you head over to onecastfishing.com and use the code the onecast. Save 10% off your order. Get some snagless jigs, weedless neds, uh, soft plastics, long neck hooks, all of that good stuff. Make sure you support them as they support us. Uh, not a lot, man. It's been uh, it's been an interesting night. We had, a, we had a whole episode planned out with John and like five... Not like maybe 15 minutes before we're supposed to start, uh, our internet went out completely died. Yeah. Um, so, but, but, uh, Pete talked to John and we're going to have him, we're going to record here in a couple weeks and we're going to be able to do like a long episode and that will come out. Um, well, I think we're planning to do like 26, 26. Yeah. yeah. So, because tonight we were going to have John to talk about missile baits and how we, you know, the start of missile baits and growing, growing that. And then we were probably, probably going to dive in the future talking about his tournament success and, and, and being a professional angler. But uh, obviously that is delayed for a couple weeks. So um, tonight we're kind of spitballing here and and uh, no internet's a problem because I sent the guys in our group chat a couple articles over the last couple of days that came up about um, invasive species, uh, which I thought was interesting because one of the invasive species right now going on in the Southwest is the smallmouth bass. Really? So they're considering smallies invasive? Yes. Where's that at? So this is in the Colorado River Basin. Again, I'm trying to do this all from memory because yep. I can't pull up the uh, the article at the moment. But basically, um, the, pr- the premise is, is that because the water has been so low in some of these lakes, I think it might be Lake Mead or Lake Powell, um, the water temperature, you know, has, let me put it this way. There's only so much of the water column that can support smallmouth bass. These lakes are so deep out there that water gets so cold, and there's a lot of not a lot of oxygen down there either. Mm-hmm. Either that all the bass have to live with. What is the scientific eutrophic zone? Like the top layer. Yeah, 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 right. Zone, something like that. Yeah, the top layer there. And so the water has decreased over the last couple of years so much that 
that zone has been covering some of these, uh, or now where the the outflow is mm-hmm. for the okay. dams. So they they've allowed smallmouth to one go downstream, and I mm-hmm. guess because of the lower water levels and increase in water temperatures by just a few degrees, uh, some of these have gone further upstream to places that you know extreme. Like Grand, I think Grand Canyon was mentioned in the article about how through the Grand Canyon and the Colorado River that, that, that there are now like smallmouth up there. Who would have thought in a million years that you would hear somebody say like, oh, smallmouth, invasive, bad. Like they're not even in the same sentence. But it's funny you bring that well, up. Well, if you're out west, they are because like Yellowstone's had a kill order in Yellowstone River and Yellowstone Lake on if you catch smallmouth, throw it on the bank for years because a few have been caught in there. Whether it's people letting them go, they don't they don't know 100% for sure, but yeah. they decimate trout and trout is king out there. That's it, true. And I don't remember, I'll have to go back and look on Wikipedia or something, but I think the natural original distribution range for smallmouth, it doesn't include like some of our lakes here in North Carolina because it's east the continental divide so yeah. you know at some point many years ago probably a couple centuries or whatever they, they they moved over and they've now had populations although we know they were getting destroyed by the small uh, spotted bass yeah. uh, at this point but yeah so out west uh, because of the changing conditions uh, it's allowed smallmouth to expand their their, their range so it's going to be interesting right because with the wet winter they had out west and some of this tropical moisture they had like so the lakes have gone up a lot so if that continues over the next year or two and they get more water maybe it will take care of itself but it's definitely spreading and i guess the green sunfish is um, spreading along with the smallmouth mm-hmm. bass and then there's just kind of wrecking have i guess there's some native species of prey or maybe small fish that only exist in those little areas that are going to be threatened so um I think there was a Yahoo article. So if you're interested, Google it again. I wish we could. Bring I'll, it I'll up post here. the link in the description yeah. too, so you can. Click I want to check that out. So it, it is interesting. So this past Monday, which was two days ago from now, but a week for in a couple of days for the folks listening and watching, um, I took my old boss out uh, fishing. You know, fall pattern stuff like that. The very first thing that he brought up, he said, "You know, I got a buddy that lives out west, and he was talking about invasive uh, fish." And I was like, "Invasive fish, like." spotted bass you know and that's the first thing that came mm-hmm. to mind so i'm glad that you brought that up and it's important to talk about this kind of stuff and and folks if you haven't checked it out like go back a long time ago and check out our episode with Corey oakley who is a, a biologist here in north carolina we talk about the alabama bat alabama spotted bass uh invasive species and stuff and then you know i hear people talk about like you know how do you break down a lake how do you practice and all that kind of stuff the history and the ongoing evolution of our water systems and residential development, that should be a part of your calculus when you're looking at tournaments, right? So like if I'm going out West and I have no idea what's going on, but all of a sudden there's smallmouth that are involved in the equation, like that's something to pay attention to. So I think it's more than just checking your mapping products, looking at Google earth and stuff, but getting into the the nuts and bolts of what's going on. That's important for any yeah. tournament angler. Yeah. But to be honest, I think this is that's more of a long-term play because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming, and the way I read the article, like the smallmouth that are spreading, um, just because a lot of the water shallow stuff there, they're just right, they're they're small. But that absolutely applies to the Alabama spotted bass that's wrecking havoc here in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, pretty much anywhere east of the Continental Divide because they're not native. And and that's what I don't think a lot of people realize. Because I made a joke, right, when I sent that uh, in a group text, like, hey, more bass fishing opportunities, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but there is something to be said, like, 
people, you know, when we when we had Corey on, and again, Corey's one of the, the the biologists for the state of North Carolina. You know, we talk about spotted bass, and and people didn't realize that just because of that continental divide and the history of it, just fifty mile difference can determine native to you know a non-native species yep. and and if you go centuries or millennia through natural development and evolution and there, there's not that competition there it's going to wreak havoc whereas as we know with the spotted bass in places where they have largemouth spotted and small mouth. smallmouth all together they can all coexist but when you introduce something new it, it's yeah that, and that was the biggest argument not really argument but it was an argument because everybody wants to argue like when we when we released that episode, everybody was like, "Well, they have them in Gunnersville, all three of them." And it's like, "Yeah, but they've been there forever. They've all come up together. They've evolved together. You didn't just take and dump a new species in where they have no idea how to live together." So if you go listen to that episode, Corey kind of goes into that. But it's like, imagine taking us and dumping us into the middle of Dubai and saying good luck. Like I wouldn't know how to live there. I'm not from there. I don't know like the commerce. It's kind of the same thing. So I'm going to be competing with people for those resources, right? You're going to be competing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. It's a fake, it's a fake place. Yeah. I I mean, if anybody's listening from Dubai, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't think we have a single listener. Well, I'll just tell you right now, I've been to Dubai and it's very nice until you look out from the city and then it's all (laughs) desert. So, but still, yeah. That's what I mean. Like if you take somebody and put them in an an unnatural habitat, like you're going to compete with the locals, right? You're not going to live together. Look at like. So maybe a better analogy would be like, because, you know, people don't think of bass as predator fish. Like it's like predators, but yeah. yeah. But think of like anacondas and the Everglades. Yeah, everyone understands the pythons. The pythons. The, the pythons. Yeah, yeah. sorry. There's snakes on a plane, Ben. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, the pythons down there, right? Uh, and I maybe the boas too. I, I don't know. They've got all those big long snakes down there, and everyone recognizes the the, the havoc they're wrecking on the uh, ecosystem. So, um, but everyone knows like a big snake's a predator, but. Bass are some of the most ferocious predators in the they water, no, especially yeah. spots and mm-hmm. smallmouth. They're super aggressive. I mean, largemouth, of, of course, but uh, definitely go back and check the episode out. But that's not, you know, it, if it's not introduced by man, and Corey talked about that, like, you know, anglers or whoever, you know, putting spots in our waterways or, a, anglers. or a dam breaking or a, a pond flooding, like mm-hmm. the Asian carp issue that, that we are still dealing with, right? But not every invasive species is bad is it pete not always i mean it's still everybody panics yeah but i mean there can be positives and we were talking about uh somewhere here in north carolina you remember where it was they found zebra mussels yeah so uh, the north carolina wildlife tonight i guess their fall update today and there was uh, a couple new invasive species they're worried about so the, the big one that relates to fishing uh would be the zebra mussels and i guess they found it just said a, wa- a waterway in urdale county Mm-hmm. So I don't remember exactly where that's at. Uh, I know we have some folks there that have bought some snagless jigs. Yeah. So yeah, if you're uh, listening from Airedale County, let us know where that's at. If if, <laughs> if we had that. internet right now, I could could I'm, check it I'm out. Betting it's west. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so they have that. It's only there. And Pete, I mean, you're from up north, so you can talk about you know the benefits that zebra mussels have had in some of our fisheries, even though it's changed the natural waterways. Yeah, I mean, like. Nature figures out a way, right? There's always a, it always figures out a way to balance itself. We're going to see it in North Carolina. Yeah, we're not going to have smallmouth anymore, but the spots are going to eventually you're going to get bigger spots, more than likely. Like nature's going to balance itself. So with the zebra mussels, the panic, you know, and 
wash your tanks, do all of that. You absolutely, I'm not saying don't care about it, but everybody thought it was going to be the end of those fisheries. And and what they found out is once they got in there, uh, you know, there are there is some negative impact to, to plant life and some of the native plant species and native mussel species and things like that. Because the, the zebra mussels, <laughs> right, they feed on the basically the vegetation. On the vegetation, yeah. So they all thought, like, this is going to be the end all of, of our vegetation. It's going to kill all the vegetation. And really it hasn't. What it's done is it's helped keep the vegetation in check, but it's helped clean up the waterways pretty significantly. And they've attributed some of that to the zebra mussels. But then what it also did was at the same time as the zebra mussels zebra mussel sort of showed up is when the gobies showed up in like Lake Erie. And, Were the and gobies the already lakes. there? It was, it was or, close to the same time. I don't think they've ever really or, said when they thought the, the or, gobies got here. So the gobies are invasive too. Yeah. So they came over, they tracked them coming over in ballast from ships coming from like China and stuff. They would get in the ballast as they would fill. Because they go up the canals. And then when they would go up the canals and they would dump water, the gobies would be in there. And eventually they took over and they destroyed, it was, it was pretty bad. They were pretty rough for a while. Uh, but then they started eating the zebra mussels and then you start getting those super gobies. And if you've watched any of the <laughs> tournaments up there, guys are catching them on drop shot and they're catching gobies that are like six inches long. Yeah. So now the bass are feeding on those big giant gobies. It's actually there was a there's a Lake Erie water snake which only lives on Lake Erie, which is practically extinct. And then the gobies came and they started eating the gobies, and now they're they're starting to recover because of that See, new cool. food. Like nature finds a way, right? But Has it, it doesn't mean to go put invasive species, but <laughs> it also doesn't always mean that it's the end of the world when they show up. Like you should definitely try to eradicate them because they do they do cause a negative impact on natural species like we're going to see in North Carolina with the extinction of lake smallmouth, at least yeah. they're hoping the river smallmouth to survive. Cause they don't know if the spots will make it, but well, the reason for that is, and I don't want to give it away, totally go back and listen to it, but, uh, crossbreeding, right. Yep. That, that's happening. Um, and it's not so much happening with large mouth and spots as it is spots with smallies, which is why Pete's saying what he's saying. I'm just going to relabel those fish as smallmouth. That's what I'm gonna do. It's a small mouth to me. I mean, if it looks it like it does have a smaller mouth. It like, does have a smaller mouth. If it's got a rough patch on his tongue, well, you know what? I've caught large mouth with I mean, a little bit of rough patch on their tongue too. So changing definitions—that's yeah, commonplace these days. I mean, yep. <laughs> I think that uh, that was what was interesting with Corey is everybody's like the the spots are are eliminating the large mouth, and he said they're not. We're still seeing them in the surveys. It's just pushing them to different parts of the lakes where yeah. guys aren't looking. So if you're fishing a spotted bass lake. The largemouth are still there. They're just not where they normally would be because they can't compete with 5,000 12-inch spots on a rock point. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the thing that makes this uh, – I mean, it can, it can be a cause for concern. That's why every angler should be a conservationist and, like, pay attention to their environment and, and clean the lakes up and do your due diligence when it comes to cleaning your boat and stuff. But it's also the thing that makes it so exciting as well because, like, the 50-yard line on a, on a football field never moves ever right the basketball hoops in the nba court doesn't move but in this sport it's always moving and that's what that's the most uh interesting and like exciting thing about this deal so but it it, it comes with a cost right and that's being a good conservationist you need to you need to carry that weight on your shoulders so yeah, all because- invasive species aren't bad i guess I mean, they're still bad. I mean, like hydrilla was, well, <laughs> hydrilla was but bad, you, but hydrilla was good. There, there's never, there's always negatives. Like yeah. again, the, we're not going to have smallmouth in lakes in North Carolina. There, I, I remember right when Corey was here, 
there's like one or two lakes where there's still pure smallmouth, and he expects them not to be there much longer. But all those lakes out west, he said they haven't had a pure smallmouth in years in DNA, and eventually it goes to zero. Yeah. So this, yeah, like everybody's like, oh Norman, you got there and catch a million fish, but at what cost? Like part of that is the elimination of smallmouth. Even though I don't think there were smallmouth in Norman, but no, but they, they they've spread from they there spread. and they saw what they did to Norman. So anglers, and it's a hundred percent anglers have moved those fish to other bodies of water to make their fishery better, and now they're they're going to ex- eradicate smallmouth bass from lakes in North Carolina. Yeah. We'll see what the impacts of uh, another episode we talked about. F Well, no, we talked about it in the same episode, right, with the F1 bass uh, yeah. introduction. Yeah, we talked a little lakes. bit about the F1s. You know, if there was ever a place where smallmouth would thrive, it would be on Lake Norman. You would think. I would think, right? Like, And we saw that the other day. I, there was I some- just... You... Pr- it's so deep. Yeah, but smallies love that. Oh, I know. I'm just, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, so, it's so deep. deep. It's it's you know it's um it's not crystal but it's, clear, but it's it's got a lot of rock and. I think part of the and, issue there is it's not a very nutrient productive lake. It, it's it's yeah. not nutrient productive, and I don't know. So then we need gobies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's running through my mind is like I don't know about the water temp there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But but then I think like Bull Shoals in Missouri and like in the summertime it's like eighty eight degrees in the Smallmouth in Hawaii. And, and like <laughs> that's true. You know yeah, what I mean? Like but the elevation though, right? So yeah. it doesn't get hot up there. Yeah, that's next time we have Corey on, we'll have to ask that question. Like why aren't they there? Because it is kinda interesting that they aren't when you think of a big deep water reservoir like Norman. Yep. It's man made, right? Norman? Yeah, Norman. Yeah. Well, it comes down like uh, again, we can't check, and we should know this being North Carolina. But doesn't doesn't uh, James and the the other lake don't they feed into Norman? Is all the same river chain? I think he said I think that because that's how they started was in Norman, and then he said they moved upstream to like James or yeah. or one of those other lakes. So, and that's how they know anglers did it. It wasn't natural <laughs> yeah. because spotted yeah. bass can't jump a dam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, not yet. Swim, they can't and swim up. They river. may evolve and grow legs, <laughs> frog legs, and then you can eat some good spots with frog legs. Mm. That's great. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool to, to, to learn about this stuff. Um, and it really does change the dynamics. And like you said, you're not going to see it tomorrow, but you will see it 15, 20 years Just from some, now. Yeah. It's changing. It's entire to do your part, try to stop it. But also when they do show up, don't panic, like follow whatever, the experts tell you to try to eliminate them, but don't go on full panic mode and say, oh, my God, there's zebra mussels going to destroy our fishery. And then you Google, oh, round gobies destroy zebra mussels. And then you go order a thousand of them and dump them into the <laughs> lake. And then now you've got an even bigger mess on your hands. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think a lot of times that's what happens and why you see like the stack outside of Florida, because that's just people buying stuff that they can't handle and then letting it go. But like. I think you do see that. You see anglers because we all want to help, but then they see, oh, well, this species here, and if I get this species, it'll take care of the problem. So they sneak that in there, and then that's a whole nother can of worms. It just it, it spitballs into something even bigger. So speaking of, uh, we, we just talked about Lake Norman. We we're talking about like spotted bass and smallies and stuff like that. But, you know, November 10th, and we've been plugging this, November 10th, uh, Pete and myself, I don't know if Ben, if you're going to be there or not. No, you're going to be gone, right? I don't know yet. We don't know we're still, yet. We're still working it. But November 10th, we got the, um, you know, Special Operations Bass Anglers is hosting the uh, their annual event. Um, in, it's the um, 
this event is for Chief Warrant Officer Cantrell, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're going to be up there fishing that, man. It's going to be a great time. Pete's dad's going to fish with me. Chelsea's going to fish with you. Mike Johns may be able to make it up uh, from Florida and, and fish it. It's a really good event. And I'm looking forward to catching some spotted bass. Dude. It's been Besides Gaston this year, Like I haven't really done any spotted bass fishing. So, Yeah, I mean, Gaston's a <clears throat> spotted bass lake, obviously. I caught all largemouth when I, well, I did catch one spot, but like they were on beds last time I was there. Every time I've gone there, it's been more of a largemouth tournament just because the way yeah. it's set up time of year. So this is the first time I'm going that's like a true to spotted Norman. bass. Like yep. whoever wins is going to be the person that catches the three pound spots instead of the two and a half pound spots. Yeah. Most likely. But so I'm kind of excited because it's not anything I've ever done. It's, it's, I'm, I'm looking at it similar to smallmouth fishing up north, like drop shot, shaky head, mm-hmm. Ned rig. Mm-hmm. There's rock, there's docks, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go fish because I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be fun. And then that tournament, I mean, they should be full on fall and gorging themselves. Come, yeah. Come that week in November. Yeah. That's what's different about, uh, you know, the species in general. Um, you know, largemouth right now in, in North Carolina, they're not impossible to catch. I went out and caught like 25 of them on Monday. Granted, they were babies, almost the same size as the spots that you're probably going to catch in Lake Norman. But, you know, as the fall transition happens in North Carolina, like spots love that cold weather they they just eat everything like you, it does not matter what you throw at them but i will tell you that uh don't discount the large mouth on lake norman oh no like there is still one warm water discharge uh on lake norman uh duke power plant has a discharge there um you know and that's up the river and stuff like that and you're getting into some really dirty water um, but I'm not going to give all the juice away, but I'll tell you this right now. Like, uh, when we go up there in November, like, yeah, Trey's going to be, uh, going after some large mouth to see, uh, to see if he can find something. Um, but you know, that, that's a great place to go just to catch fish. And, uh, you know, granted we talked about special operations, bass anglers and the tournament itself, like for the charity purposes and for, and for the intent behind it, it's just a great organization to go fish with. And so if you're in the area or not, there's people that travel all the way from Texas to do this, right? Yeah. There's, there's folks coming from Texas, new, uh, Michigan, New York. I think some other folks from Pennsylvania, Nick was saying, so it's, it's cool. There's, there's a ton of Airbnbs and places to stay around the lake, Mm -hmm. uh, it's relatively cheap, especially if you have a group of folks coming down. Uh, most of the hotels are pretty good as long as you stay out of where was that? Yeah, don't don't stay in Mooresville, man. Jeez. And then uh, you can stay and fish the whole weekend if you want. Like that's what we're doing. We're going. We're going to go Thursday, pre-fish a little bit, have some fun, help Nick and and the guys that are running the tournament if they need it. Uh, and then we'll fish Friday, have a good time, and then Trey and my dad are going to fish Saturday. I've got our club. Uh, championship Saturday, Sunday. It's a two-day tournament. So I'm going to be doing that those two days after. And it's just going to be a fun weekend on the water, on a different body of water that I'm not used to fishing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with a bunch of good people, you know, cooking out, hanging out. Uh, hopefully Mike can make it up. Mike, when you listen, you better make it up. Uh, which he was looking for a veteran to take. So uh, we have some non-veterans that he could potentially fish with. But if you're a veteran listening to the show and you might be interested and you don't have uh, a boater that you can fish with holler at us shoot us a dm and uh, we'll check with mike if he hasn't found anybody maybe we can link you guys up and you can jump in the boat with him and uh go run around norman and chase some spots mike's a great guy uh 
Yeah, you all should have met him by the time this one comes out because I think they're gonna try to get him on fishing front. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get him on, man. Uh, assuming we have internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, while we're on the mic topic, real quick, and this is gonna this is gonna air after the BFL Regional Championship is over with on on Lake Fall, Alabama. Um, there's a lot of people that are like that place is tough this time of year. That place is super tough, but. Uh, he is on something pretty cool and I don't want to give his juice away. So, you know, it's good. This thing's there and after, because you don't have to knock on wood. Because, yeah, yeah. 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 I, you know, I told him today cause he, you know, I made a post and I was like, Hey dude, you know, like, uh, good luck, you know, fishing Saturday or fishing this weekend. And he, he sent a, a snarky comment back to me and he goes, the tournament starts on Thursday. And I said, yeah, but you got to make it to Saturday. Okay, so like there's a three day derby and stuff like that, but he's on something pretty special. Yeah, um, yeah, because he sent me a picture yesterday, two days ago. Mm-hmm. I think he caught one on a, a snagless maybe or something, and I, I said awesome, but you need to catch some bigger fish because it was a skinny, <laughs> skinny little guy. And then he sent one like you mean like this. I was like, yeah, that's that's the one. Well, that's you need. <laughs> that's what I like about the fall. Like we we talked about it before. Um, and if you didn't hear our last episode, it was the last episode we talked about it, right? Yeah. Like our favorite. Two, yeah. Oh, our yeah. favorite baits to throw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a huge, I, I love the fall because you can pretty much do anything you want. You can definitely go out there and zero. Uh, that's easy to do. And you know, I went out, uh, Sunday and I caught five fish by nine 30 in the morning and I didn't get anything the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But then I also went out Monday and caught like 25 fish. So, you know, it's, it's ever changing. Um, but you can go deep, you can go shallow and go middle water depth and stuff like that. Uh, but for you follow where he's at, he is, uh, in that mid depth range. Mm. Um, and I won't give his specific techniques away, but he's catching good fish, but you'll see like in the fall, like those weights are typically lower. Like you has good weights, uh, through the spring and the summer, but you know, I'm going to predict right now. I'm going to make a prediction. If you have 13 and a half to 14 pounds a day, you're going to be in the money. Like you're going to make it to day three. If you have 16 pounds a day, like you're 16 to 16 and a half or 17 pounds, you're going to be right there in the top. Now, somebody is totally going to prove me wrong and drop a 21 pound bag on them or something like that. One or somebody always, somebody's going to do that. But, but it's the average you're talking about. It's not one day, Like you might catch 27 pounds on day one and then catch 14 on day two. But that's the cool thing about the fall is like it is really anyone's game at this point. You never um, know. Like, well, I mean, we saw that uh, a few years ago in 2020, like on the the elite. Oh, with the schedule the way where, it was uh, yeah. when they they went to Gunnersville in like September or October, and it was a different game. Yeah, that's right. Than it is when they was go that the there. one Bill Owen ended up winning. I honestly don't remember. I just remember the weights are way down. The fish obviously because it's the fall, we're all scattered about. You didn't have that traditional ledge. Uh, what, oh, you're like, talking about on Tennessee River? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Bill definitely won that with yeah, a jig. That's what he won it with a jig and a bla- uh, lipless. Yeah. He was fishing some I want to say that was his first Elite was, Series yeah. victory. It first was. and only, but he deserved that one. Yeah, yeah. Big that, time. I remember that was, it was interesting. That was emotional, say, dude. Because of, the, because of them having to fish in the fall, like everything was different. Yep. And like you, you think those tournaments, um, specifically that year, um, by going in the fall, like these guys have been... And even if they were a rookie and had never been on that lake, yeah, you're probably around guys. You hear things. You can go watch all the tournament coverage from 20, 30, 40, probably not 40 years ago, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> like, there's a lot of tournament coverage on those lakes for the times they usually go there. There wasn't any for October. <laughs> and they're figuring that out in the opens right now and on the Harris they, chain. Weren't, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you bring that up, right? So well, let's rewind real quick. 
weren't they fishing? Weren't majority of the people trying to like fish the tail race and stuff during that uh, that elite series event? But Bill like found something on the bank where he was flipping timber with a jig and docks with a jig. There, there were some that fished the tail race, like most of the consistent bags. But Bill, most of his fish, his bigger fish came off a of lipless. Uh, he was fishing off like a, a rock point on some submerged grass and he was ripping it over the top. And then he caught some fish shallow on a jig, like yeah. first thing. Yeah. Uh, and then he was transitioning. I remember I, he was the only one really doing that. He caught a seven pounder. I want to say it was like a seven or plus, And like, he held that up and I was like, dude, cause this guy, like, I don't know Bill personally, but like, he seems like, uh, he was one of those guys and when he won, everybody was everybody super happy to yeah. see him win. So yeah. you, you just kind of get a feeling on how, how a guy like that is. Uh, and that was that was cool, but but so Mike, yeah. but but Mike is fishing BFL regional, right? So that's MLF sanctioned. That's event. their super. And then regional, yeah, and then also at the same time, yeah, the open on Harris Chain, yeah, which in the fall, yeah, you know, we've talked to our friends of fish the open. Yeah, it's it's not everybody's struggling. <laughs> it's 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 and of course it's still early October or mid October. Yep. So. But it's not been cold enough yet. Because sometimes down there in Florida, you get some spawning bass in October or November. I don't think that's happening this year. It's been no. <laughs> We haven't no. had the cold, really a big enough cold front to come through to drop those temps. I don't yeah. think anybody knows what's happening right now. On, uh, at least nobody I've talked to or, or heard from. Like, everybody's struggling right yeah, now. Yeah, my guess is someone's going to win it offshore. Yeah. Probably. And some of the grass patches. No idea what lake that's going to be because I don't know how... Um, the grass is setting up right you now. You have to look at the spray schedule, yeah. Figure yeah. out where who. Well, definitely. Uh, I won't name who it is. Well, I'll name it like Destin. We talked to Destin, and like he's like, dude, certain lakes are no goes. Yeah, but you got <laughs> the day I talked to him because I called him. I was like, dude, I can't get my point one antenna to work. Like, how do you do this? And he's like, yeah, I don't do anything. Uh, so I let it rest overnight. But I was like, hey, how's everything going? And he's like, yeah. I'm on the wrong lake. <laughs> I'm on the wrong lake today. Look, but you know, as someone who's fished down there, yeah, for a couple of weeks, like that's a hundred percent true. And if you go back, the last time the elites went, last year, yeah, last mm-hmm. year, like Apopka was in play. Yeah, but there had been several years that Apopka was not in play because I think they had killed all the grass and and uh, it was just really dirty and had gotten polluted and all. But, yeah. it, you know, it's starting to come back. So, you know, you saw that in play. It's also a long ways down there from where they take off. But, like, each each lake changes every year. Um, that, like, uh, for instance, when I was down there, there wasn't very much, like, offshore grass in, in Lake Eustis. But uh, this last year, or even this year, maybe I was watching it, one of the guides down there, he does a YouTube video. He's like, there's grass all over Eustis. So it just, mm. it changes year to year. And we started the show off talking about like invasive species and like, you know, things constantly changing the ecosystem, but it's not just invasive species. I mean, it's them spraying the grass. I mean, if there's anybody that is probably probably should be the most adaptable at the environment change and there's those Florida anglers and Destin used to live there, you know? And so like every single year, something is different. You see it on Okeechobee. Yeah. Okeechobee's constant. It's a different, but it's the same down there. Like, yeah. It's uh, different, yeah. but same, same, but different. Same, same. Because <laughs> it's, it's still a, the same thing. It just might be a different lake or Okeechobee's pretty much the same areas, but it fishes super small. So like yeah. whichever well, area, whether it's it, north it or south. It can either fish small or can fish It big. could fish big, and, but and typically the, when they're there, it fishes small. And, it seems. and the way it kind of lines up down in Okeechobee, this is extremely true. Like you want to find clean water. So like 
if you've got the one in the wrong direction for a week straight or something like it just blows it out. Of course, hurricanes down there in Okeechobee change everything. And that's what we saw when the elites were there this past year was it blew out of the mm-hmm. north, I think, for like five days. So everybody was having to fish the north side of the lake. Yeah. And so it was fishing super small. And if you look traditionally, it's either the north end or kind of like the west end of the lake. Yeah. So weather, yeah, weather's a huge role. And then man is also another. So it's it's funny, right? Factor. Like, so Florida constantly changing. Uh, you had that like 100 year flood that jacked up, uh, what was it, the Delaware River? Mm-hmm. And then. Was it the Delaware River? Oh, for the classic? And then, Pittsburgh, you know, that's the Ohio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Ohio. That was like 750-year um, flood. Yeah. yeah well, a thousand years. A thousand years. Something crazy. You know, who's, com- who's competing? Uh, and then <laughs> you got invasive species. and But there there are some lakes around here that don't change that much. Like Jordan Lake, for instance. I mean, minus the fact when it gets a lot of water, like you'll see like timber and stuff floating down the river systems. But, the, but I, I talk about that because... There was the question in, in a couple weekends ago. Uh, the one cast was at the the kayak master class um, at Cash and Rods here in Sanford, North Carolina, and and one of the guys in the crowd asked the question. He goes, "How do I?" And to Jody Queen and and Casey Reed and Corey Dreyer and and who's the fourth guy? Um, anyways, the name's escaping me. Sorry, Matt. And, right? Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Ball. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Matt Ball. And uh, and he asked a question. He's like, "Hey." They killed all the grass in my lake. I think it was more like a pond, but it was like a private lake or whatever. It's at 60 acres, I think. Yeah, so so decent amount, yeah. right, for, for a kayak angler or a shore fisherman. How do I break that body of water down? And everyone was just like, hey, dude, the water's always changing. You know, so like the best thing you can do is like just get time on the water and go figure it out. And that's what those guys in the EQs yep. are doing down in, in, in Florida right now. That's what the guys are doing. You follow that is literally like if there's any piece of advice you could give somebody, I feel like, yeah, you can Google Earth it. Yeah, you can map product it. Yeah, you can do this. But like just go out there. Just go out there. Yeah. You know, and definitely map product before you go anywhere. Well, yeah, you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless you're in Definitely Florida, look like, at maps. Although Florida, like, that doesn't, that's not a big deal. It's, in a lot of those lakes, there's not enough, yeah. there's very little depth contour change. I mean, say the same thing. So, well, it's not, I'm not even so much concerned about contour change, but that's where you want to look at, you know, look at bank structure and grass and things like that and, and put yourself in an area where there's going to be fish potentially and spend your oh, time yeah, there yeah. instead of just yeah. going in the lake and running around like, I do. I, I told them, um, <laughs> I don't, unfortunately, I don't remember his name, but uh, I told him, because I asked him what graph he had on his kayak. Mm. And I said, I don't know if this one will do or not. But in that situation, like when they kill all the grass um, and you don't have a map or a lot of contour lines, like typically, and even if the grass was still there. That was Cam Steele. Yeah. Was that who it was? Yeah, Cam. Cam. That um, if you can, like the hummingbirds will do it. You can go to a particular color palette where it's basically red and green and the red shows the hard spots yeah and you can adjust your sensitivities so where you can find those hard spots and it works well in grass and, and that's how folks find shell beds a lot of times too mm-hmm. um, you could do the same thing with your normal picture on side imaging and down imaging and just because obviously it gets harder it's, the sensitivity it's and stuff, yeah. yeah but it's just easier when on that other color palette but if you can find those hard spots um where they killed the grass like that's where some of them should congregate yeah, because it's not a mud bottom, and they can sit up there and maybe uh, ambush thing. And then obviously, if you can find any type of stick ups or laydowns or under you know brush piles or something, then 
That's probably where they're going to move to if all the grass is gone. I think the whole narrative of this episode is the constant changing environment. It is. That we deal with as anglers. Yeah. You know, you're constantly dealing with everything we just talked about and more. Uh, and then how do you overcome that adversary of the ecosystem change? You know what you doesn't know? ever change, though? Is the comfort and protection that my Carolina Waters gear gives me. <laughs> Make sure you head to carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code THEONECAST at checkout to save 20% off your order. Get some UPF shirts, some hats, some uh, casual tees. Uh, there should be some warmer weather stuff coming. We've been talking about uh, in the group chat, helping them kind of look at some different stuff. Also, in the month of October, which we're still in, if you order 20% of your order, that you whatever the total is, 20% of that is going to go to the family in Hawaii that we talked about with Maddie. Uh, and also, we're doing a giveaway attached to that. So if you do order, screenshot, send me a, a order receipt of your a receipt of your order, a copy of your receipt from your order. It's all the same. <laughs> whatever I'm trying to say, send yeah. that to, to me or to the page and uh, we'll enter you in a, a giveaway where we're going to give away a, a, one of our hats and shirts. And then Swamp Fox Customs is sending some baits. And he told me it was sending, but I can't look at my phone right now to find it because we don't have service. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so make sure that. you head to carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code THEONECAST. Get yourself some gear. It doesn't matter if you're in the Carolinas or not. Uh, it's good quality stuff. It'll help keep you safe. And if you spend time on the water, whether on a boat, kayak, shore, whatever, uh, it's important to wear those long sleeves and things like that. We're not doing it as a fashion statement. I'm doing it because I've met 7,000 old guys know. that are on their 90th I think it looks good. I mean, cancer. it looks good. It's a fashion I took statement. my daughter to the oh, it definitely daughter looks dance good. with a uh, you know, Carolina water shirt on. You know, no big deal. You know, speaking of that. <laughs> well, go ahead. Well, I wanted to get back about everything changing. Everything is changing. Because I was thinking that there is something that does change on Jordan. The shell beds out there. Shell beds on Jordan? Yeah. They get like clamshells. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they move around. Also, some of the brush piles will shift when we get those super high water. Sorry, I had a terrible itch on top of that's, my head right there. Yeah, that's true. Like, I've seen brush piles that I've fished before that are just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the laydowns will get, get when it gets I, super high. I don't consider that changing a whole month. Well, it well, does. It changes that offshore where they, they used to live. Now you gotta go. Well, find like it. that one particular spot. But like, well, yeah, but Pete's just changed. mad because I drop my anchor and I drag him away. Like, <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's what we do on Harris for everybody looking for the crappy. Uh, oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, this was your juice? We're going to move this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to move a couple feet. Way. Yeah, your juice is no, no more. No, it's funny because Trey and I were joking one day on Harris and there's a brush pile that everybody fishes and Trey's like, wouldn't it be fun if we just come out here and snug that and drug it down on our feet where nobody would know where it was at. You know, that was actually, that was the actual piece of advice. And, and, you know, going back to the, the kayak masterclass, like a side scan imaging is your best friend. When an entire body of water, the body bottom composition has changed so much. They kill the grass, whatever. Side scan is your best, and listen, best friend. If you don't have side scan, you can do it with down in 2D. Yes, you can. If you're fishing from the bank, they did it for years without anything. It's called a big heavy jig and drag that joker on yep. the bottom and you will feel the differences in the bottom and you'll yep. find those hard spots. And, and we definitely recommend like a three quarter ounce football, football head. snagless That's jig right. because you're not going to lose it as much. That's right. right. And then once you get on the juice, if they start freaking out and they're getting more uh, finicky, then, then switch to that, you know, one cast. Uh, fishing weedless net head and then because uh, that's what I put my old boss on and uh, he crushed him but yeah I mean like you don't have to have electronics but if you do side scan that stuff and then you know if it's legal sink your own brush piles yep you know drop your own brush piles out there your old Christmas trees whatever the case may be I don't know what's legal and not legal 
but drop it in the water. Just remember, if you do it on Jordan, you have to send it to the Army Corps engineers so they can put it on their map, and I know where it's at. <laughs> yeah, so I have uh, Ben's <laughs> going to check camera real quick, but I have one more thing on, on graphs. If you do have them and you're, you're fortunate enough to be able to afford graphs and you have that stuff on your boat, learn how to use it because it is your most valuable tool. Uh, I know a ton of people are like, I just use it for depth. I'm like, well, all you're doing is hurting yourself. Well, I still mm -hmm. catch them sometimes. Like, learn how to use your graphs, whatever the capabilities are. There's so many good instructional videos out there. Ben's got some on, on One Cast Fishing's page. There's a ton of people that have done great educational videos on graphs. Trey and I have talked about filming some just because it's something to do. Uh, so we may put some stuff out. But it's... Uh, it's important you know how to use that tool. And I, a lot of people get frustrated, like, fish finders don't help. And it's like, well, they do if you know how to use them. Why does everybody have a southern accent? Because we're in the <laughs> south, so everybody has a southern accent. Uh, but no, I just wanted to say that one last thing. So coming up, what do we got, boys? Joey C. Fuentes. Yeah, if we have internet. Uh, if Joey, Trey doesn't screw the internet up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's your uh, reigning uh, rookie of the year for the Bassmaster Elite Series. He won two title Two. two trophies and century belt and a century, century belt. belt and a rookie of the year yeah man that's pretty impressive so he, he will be on here next episode next episode will be his as long as we and have internet i will on knock on wood for this one yeah, whatever <laughs> we're gonna drive up the road and do it in the vehicle and then I, we the have john scheduled to come back on yeah. uh we're gonna talk about some it'll be a little bit longer when we were able to work schedules where we have a well, the, well time, the cool so. thing with john and maybe it worked out for a reason right the cool thing with john is john's limited on time He's a very busy man. He's an entrepreneur. He's a he's a father. He's a husband. All that stuff. The same thing that a lot of us are. But the cool thing is, is with rescheduling John, he's actually going to be in the Missile Baits factory, and he's going to be able to have a lot more time. Give us to talk a little bit more us. time. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like maybe things worked out for a reason. Um, and I but, definitely want to talk to him about schedule because we've had a lot of people talk about it, and that's a guy that can tell you. Yeah. It's not for everybody because he's running Missile Baits, fishing the Elite Series. He's big with the ASA. For those who don't know, that's the I forget what American, American Sportsman's Association. Yeah, yeah that they're the ones who put on ICAST. Yeah, they put on ICAST and do a bunch of other uh, stuff in the industry. They do a bunch of uh, lobbying and. Yep. Um, he's very yeah. involved with them. He's very involved with Bass as an organization in general. So he's got a ton of stuff going on. So just to hear hear the amount of time that you need to put into certain things, I think would be cool. Uh, and then that'll come out while we're at Lake Lanier. So yeah, we've been talking about it. Uh, we're heading down there for the NPFL's season finale. It's not their championship. That'll be early next year. Yep. Uh, but the season finale of the NPFL uh, on Lake Lanier, that is October 26th, 27th, and 28th. So we'll be we'll be there all three days. Trey will be there, I think, all week, maybe, potentially. Uh, You know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we didn't book the Airbnb before that, so I don't really know if I want to sleep in my truck. But We'll for sure be there for the weigh-in on yeah. day one, the 26th, and then we'll be hanging out the 27th, 28th, and we're going to take off mm -hmm. Sunday morning. So if, if you're, you're anywhere near there. Yeah. Well, the, the thing I was going to say, if you're – near there and i and i talked to brad the other day you know so they're not doing the weigh-in where they're taking off so everybody needs to understand that and i cannot remember the name but the bottom line Here, is, let me look it up real quick yeah uh, uh, <laughs> but so we are about 24 minutes away from takeoff um at the park that they're taking off from but then they are weighing in down south and i think we're about 24 minutes from that so we're right in the middle yeah, I, I planned that yeah uh great job <laughs> and uh he's <laughs> That was pure luck. I had no um, idea they weren't. But it'll be cool, man. So, you know, we, go check out our episode with Todd Goad. Um, he's a 
super awesome dude, good steward of the profession. 12 point lead. And he has the chance to hoist the gold uh, shield this year. And yeah. so, 12 point lead, sure get it done. Home lead. Who's right on his heels? Jesse Wise? Or, yeah. Yeah, Jesse Wise from North Jesse's Carolina. Jesse's right there, and yeah. somebody else is right there. Yeah. So, as long as. No one finished. Like Trent, Jesse, I think, is one Jesse of the ones or, right there. And he's got a lot of experience. Trent Palmer, yeah. He's and, got a lot of experience on the And year. go check out our episode with Trent Palmer Trent's, because he breaks the juice down up up north. So, like, yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. And, uh, you know, like, while there may be an off-season for anglers, there's no off-season for the one cast. So we were going to be talking a whole lot with hopefully a lot of these uh, these guys and gals and, and stuff like that. show season will be here before long. We'll let you know where That's we're right. going to be for those. I know Raleigh for sure. Right now, I know Raleigh, which is Martin Luther King weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Richmond is, Richmond is the following weekend. And then the following weekend, actually, it's Thursday through Sunday, is the East Tennessee one in mm-hmm. Knoxville. So those three right now, and that's three straight weeks. So I don't know if uh, <laughs> I will feel that happening. Good. I don't know. You, you, you might not see my face at a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> just, I mean, full disclosure, yeah, like yeah. I'm going through transition from yep. the military and stuff. Well, you, so I got a lot of things going on. Yeah, and I know at one point you you may not even be here. Yeah, yeah. I'll for so. sure be at Raleigh, and then probably one of the other two, but I don't know which one yet. So what do you mean I won't be here? What do you mean? You mean just the military stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, military stuff. Uh, I'm definitely staying in North Carolina. Like for everybody that wants to know, like I'm staying in North Carolina. Like, a, a business trip. Is oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm hopefully staying in North Carolina. We'll find out soon. You better stay in North Carolina. <laughs> like this is not the demise of the one cast guys. I like to but, I like to torment Trey about that. Yeah. No, but so we'll have some shows, uh, and and we'll be hanging out with one cast fishing. We'll be hanging out with Carolina Waters. Uh, make sure you check out that that benefit tournament. Look up special Wildlife special operations bass anglers uh they're also tagged in the description below every week if you click on them it'll take you to their facebook page uh, where it has all that info if you do want to fish it you can dm their page uh, and then it's pay at the ramp and if i remember right it's a hundred dollars and then 10 or maybe 20 for big fish yeah um but all that all the proceeds go to uh go to that family um and nick was on last episode if you listen which uh, releases tomorrow uh, while we're recording, because we're a week ahead, he talked about all the great prizes. Solux Fish Finders Hummingbird donated tons of rods and reels and line and a power pole and and all kinds of good stuff. So come out and fish it. Uh, if you if you don't have a boat, find somebody that does uh, and and go fish it because it's gonna be for a great cause. It's gonna be a ton of fun. The annual Mark McCowan. It's the special. annual Mark McCown Special Operations, and then it benefits a, a special operations family every year. That's right. Whether it's a Gold Star family or or whatever it is, so it's a, it's a great event. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I didn't didn't get to go last year, so I'm pretty excited to go this year. Uh, I, we'll be there. There's a bunch of uh, pro anglers that that come and hang out, so it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what circuit, but uh, Pete Pete and I we just signed up. We're going to be fishing next year together. Um, and probably against some of the people that, uh, that we talk about on the show. So we'll see. Um, so, you know, we may get our lunch money stolen. I don't know. Uh, but even so it's a great opportunity to get them on the show and talk about it as well. So yeah, I'm definitely going to donate to some new people next year. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Looking forward to, to fishing with Trey and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say who it's with here before too long, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and some of you that listen probably fish it. So we're looking forward to to hanging out with y'all and uh, spending some time together. That's right. 
Anything else, boys? No, no man. Ever-changing environment, ever-changing fishing season. Right now, fall transition. Hope everybody goes out there and catches them. Join us up at the Special Operations Bass Anglers on November 10th. Join us at the MPL, MPFL event uh, in third week of October. Fourth. Fourth week of October? Mm-hmm. 26th, 27th, oh. 28th. That's right. Oh, Halloween's right now. Oh, you know what? That's also by my, the, way, the weekend of my wife's yeah. birthday, so we're going to have to do something. Okay, my wife's birthday is on the 17th of October. Um, so, But I did want to say something, and Pete talked about it, you know, sending your um, your receipts to, like, either him or the community page. Hey, that community page, like, we want to create engagement with everybody. Like, we want you to post your pictures and stuff like that. So that's all about, like, us and, and all of you guys interacting with each other. We it's appreciate that. also a link that. in the description every week. That's right. So, so check that out. Head over to Instagram. Give us a follow on that. Um, you know, we, we're not doing anything special, but just posting pictures and, and making posts and stuff like that. So, uh, we appreciate you guys following along. Ben, what you got? That's it. Cool. You guys, sure. it, you guys hit it all. Sweet. Make sure you jump on that community page and help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God. It's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.